Hey, welcome to the Wildscast. I just finished an hour-long conversation with one of my dear friends, Charlie Harari. Charlie, for those of you who may be unfamiliar, has spoken at MG before. He was one of our best speakers. He's a motivational speaker, a prolific writer, radio host. He's got a lot of wisdom and in a very motivational, inspirational kind of way. Also runs his own real estate company. So he's an entrepreneur and has got one foot in the business world, one foot in the Jewish world. And we spoke about some basic points of just happiness, right? Because we are celebrating the Torah on the holiday of Shavuot. And one of the motivations, of course, is that how does living a life of Torah and mitzvot actually make us happier? Are Jews who observe the Jewish religion happier than other people? What is it about Judaism that actually is supposed to make us happier? So we talked a little about that and about habits, developing the right kinds of habits. How does the brain work to enable us to be able to take moments of inspiration and make them part of our everyday lives? Because that's also crucial for habits. And does artificial intelligence change all of this? If we can just at the click of a button get all of this sort of handed to us, how are we going to achieve spirituality and happiness if the computers are just doing everything for us today? So take a listen, click below to subscribe, leave a review if you like this, but really important conversation from somebody who has tapped into a lot of wisdom and inspiration and how to keep it. Charlie Harari, Shalom Uvracha, welcome to the Wildscast. <laughs> Thank you for being here. What a great name. I, I, you know, I'm still searching. Maybe you can help me. It's the best I could do. That's what I get. You didn't even don't, know that was don't. the name because you're laughing now. The search was is over. He was with you all along. <laughs> you, you found it. Don't change his name. I love it. <laughs> so, um, thank you so much for coming on. It is such an honor and a pleasure. Uh, you are. Uh, I want to get right into some poignant questions for you, for our listeners, because I am super, super excited that you've joined us. You're a motivational speaker. You're a successful person in business. You are just, you're a prolific writer, author, just an inspiring human being and Jew. Tell me, tell me, tell me, let's start at the beginning. What inspired you to start exploring the Torah's teachings as some kind of source for wisdom when it comes to personal growth? So it's an honor to be here. The truth is I'm, I'm none of those things. I, I, I am whatever Hashem puts in at any moment. And it's an important distinction because we, nobody has anything. We, we, we're all at best faucets that without the, the pipes that flow the water in are, are completely irrelevant. And so thank you for the kindness. It's, it's, all the glory goes to Hashem. Um, I think, you know, sort of early on, um, when I was in Israel for the year, I, I was I was I was not a very inspired kid. Mm -hmm. um, high school really was more about ball and girls and 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 trying to be as close as I can to Michael Jordan. It was hard for me to recognize that that wasn't really going to happen. And uh, <laughs> it, it, Judaism wasn't didn't really speak to me. It was almost like a walking Jew jail. Um, and just my background where I went to school just didn't mm -hmm. it didn't necessarily inspire me. Um, it, it took somewhere in Israel when I went for the year. I went to a yeshiva called Yeshivat Hakotel. Oh, um, you know, yeah. that, that's where I went too. you know, we were different I, years. I was there yeah. 85, 86. Oh, I was there a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was there, you know what it was like, you know what it's like yeah. in the old city. 
Um, and the truth is, to me, the most powerful parts were also, they had these things called chaburas. Mm-hmm. And they would just put you up in people's homes. Now, coming from a world, an American kid, you know, dreams of being a lawyer, dreams of, you know, wealth and success. And, you know, going to these homes and seeing these individuals with small little apartments and lots of kids everywhere, like, I, it, was, it wasn't necessarily, it didn't necessarily speak to me. Mm-hmm. But I remember mm-hmm. early on being taken by their happiness <laughs> like really sort of like it really impacted me like there are people that had a, that were not succeeding in, in my standards of materialism that seemed to have exhibited levels of happiness wow. that i rarely saw yeah and yeah. and that sort of threw me for a few months in israel um and, and over the course of my year there was like an underlying theme we we came and went, you know what it's like, you know what I'm saying? This class, that class, this thing, that thing, all the details. But the really mm-hmm. the underlying thing under the details was this, why in the world, what do they have? Like, what yeah. is it about this country, about so many people that I'm meeting, that there's some level of life satisfaction that I just didn't see? Hey, listen, I lived in a wonderful, I, everyone's great, but but in the American scene. And to me, the conclusion I came to that year, which I knew nothing about, I, I didn't know anything really. I wasn't, I wasn't a good student. I, I wasn't a good, like I, was, I didn't know anything. The conclusion I came to was there's something in that book and in that thing called Judaism that is giving them a level of life satisfaction. And I got to figure this out. And that was like my one lesson that I took out of my year in Israel. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, I, I know, I know exactly. I know. I was probably in some of the same tiny apartments in the old city. Sfarim, you know, Jewish books like all the way up to the ceiling. Yes. Five, six kids. There's like two bedrooms and like somehow they're all happy to be alive. Just always besimcha. So, I mean, so you attributed that to, you attributed that to the Torah. You didn't, you didn't see that. Oh, maybe they had a really good marriage. You, you said that that was really coming from, from Judaism. It had to have, it had to have. It, it, it was, it was. You know, it was, I'll tell you something else that really got me. It was the way that, you know, it was the way that the wife looked at her husband. There was <laughs> something about the look. Like, there's some respect. And as a guy who wanted to get mm-hmm. married, like, I was like, what was that? Like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah, a certain yeah. respect that, that, that you give somebody that it's a, that's a, a person of, of, of wisdom. And I, I, I never, I didn't know what that was. But, I knew, I knew, I knew where it was. I knew where it was. I, it, it was clear to me that it was in, it was on those books that I, I didn't want to read. Um, and, 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 and I would say even further, it was, it's no one's fault, but like when you, when you're, when you grow up with it in, in, in an environment when you can't really digest it, you're like, it can't be like, I, I didn't like Talmud class in high school. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I barely got through, you know, through, through, through Hummus. like all the, the Judaism was like what you can't do. Um, not, I'm not saying that my school wasn't inspiring in their way, but yeah. like it didn't really speak to me. So it, it really got to a place in my mind where I had to explore this. And and what happened was, and this is an incredible, listen, Hashem runs the world. And, and if one thing that I've seen in my life is that anything that we have is almost despite our best interest. <laughs> like God's got a plan. And the more we let God run his show and we sit in the driver's, in the, in the passenger seat and like, the more we raise our hand and go, I'm here, the, the better life goes. That's my, my that's my anecdotal mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. So I come back to, from Israel. Mind you, 
And I you're what? Been, you're 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 19, 20 years I'm old. 19. Who are you now? I've been right. wanting to be a lawyer since I was a kid. I mean, I grew up with like Matlock and L.A. Law and and the legal. <laughs> I, I in my head, like I pictured juries and jaguars. That was my life. You know what I'm saying? Like even mm-hmm. when I got to law school, I was like, what am I doing studying tort? Like what is this stuff? Like where is the juries? Like. I had a picture of what I was going to do for the rest of my life, and it included standing in front of a jury, delivering a speech, and with God's help, getting some guy off, and then going to my job. That was it. Like that was the extent of my career planning. I mean, what else um, is there, honestly? I mean, I mean what yeah. else did they show? I mean, there were like times in like Discovery that was cool too that I was going to do, but like that was it. <laughs> so I come home, and like now yeah, here I am, and and, I, and it's disrupting my process. I Meaning, like before Israel, I was like flying, like you know, like right. everything Israel, is fun parties, friends, and then get back to business. Like now, I'm like, wait a second, like what is going on over here? So I go, I sign up, I sign up for this yeshiva called Shar Yashuv, mm-hmm. which is a yeshiva in Farakway. I I go to this the rub my rep the rebbe that I had was a rabbi named of Shmuel Brazil. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. I, I never really met Rebbeim like this before. He he is just a large light of of positivity of 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 song of uh, of happiness mm-hmm. and and i started to understand that there was something it, it started to you know unravel for me like it, not not unravel reveal it started to reveal for me like wait we're studying this 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 Gemara and look how slow he goes and how he gets into it and it's smart and brilliant and then we stop and sing a song and, and it's just putting and I'm going to college in the afternoons and at night, and I end up in law school. And, and and along through my college years, what happened was, and this is sort of, again, Hashem running the world. I got inspired. I, I needed something. I was really, um, I was really like losing it. I was in America. I was sort of stuck. Like part of me wanted to be in Israel and I was inspired there. America was uninspiring to me. I was in this like weird place that mm-hmm. lots of people I find are in. When you get inspired and you see some truth, but then you get back to your life and it's not there and you're, you you got to get back to work. But, you, you know, it, it's like this balance of 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 the material and, and the spiritual. So I go to I call my friend Yaakov Gibber. I don't know if you know Yaakov Gibber. Yaakov Gibber is uh, one of the greatest people I, I think on planet Earth. He's the rabbi of, uh, of the shul down in Boca. Oh, um, of course. Of course. I know Yaakov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all the Gibbers. They're amazing family. Amazing. So he's, he was my best friend in school. I call him up and I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling. He says, come down to YU. I come to YU. He signs me up for Camp Ask. Now, <laughs> mind you, I had no intention of going to Camp Ask. I said, no. And he like hands me an application. I'm like, no, like I'm not going. Right. He's for, like, Great. For, those, for those of you who are listening, Camp Ask, uh, where two of my boys went, my daughter's going this summer. How would you describe Camp Ask? It's a camp for fill in the blank. Um, development mentally disabled individuals yeah. who are the greatest people on earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Counselors. Very, it is. It's a special it's a place. Camp special. Of, of people with special needs, and it's um, and it's a place of just incredible giving and and warmth. Um, and it's what a lot of college kids do in their summers. I had no intention to because it wasn't getting me closer to jaguars and juries. Right. Right. So here I am. Jacob signs me up. I'm Hask like is like Hask, Hask is like the antithesis of Jaguars. Yeah, jury, right, exactly. Like, so he's like, no, I signed up. I'm like, Jake, I'm not going. He's like, no, well, I, I have an interview. I'm like, I'm not going. So I go in to interview the division head. I'm like, I, I don't want to be there. And he goes, you're accepted. I'm like, I'm not going. <laughs> like, By the way, you know, you know how hard it is to get in now? <laughs> they were willing to take you. You should have grabbed it. Yeah. So I end up there. Jacob is my co-counselor. And 
it starts me on this path of like how good it feels to give. I, I really, I mm -hmm. never had the, so I come back and say, I want to get involved in something. And a friend said to me, why don't you join NCSY? Long story short, we don't have time in the podcast to go through it. I end up on, in, on, a, on a Shabbaton in Cleveland, Ohio. NCSY, by the way, National Conference Synagogue Youth Jewish Outreach for Teenagers. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, and, and I end up on a Shabbaton in, in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And guess what? They need a guy to speak about what's great about Judaism. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, I'm still figuring it out. Like, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm bouncing along the bottom over here. But I got to get up. And over the next, what ends up becoming 10 years of me going through law school, through lawyer, mm -hmm. I end up going back to these Shabbatons to talk about the value and the beauty of Judaism. And you know what happens when you have to defend something? Oh, you got yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> and to me, it was a, a, a watershed moment in my life where I was spending hours upon hours researching and trying to understand the beauty of this in order to share it with kids that didn't have the background. Yeah, um, yeah. And all that was really happening. I hope I inspired someone. I don't know. But all that was I'm really sure you did. was that God wasn't trying to, I guess, get it into my head. And, and to me, that was sort of, you know, sort of how I, I started to realize what a little, a little bit of, of the beauty of what we have. So it was, it was seeing happy people who didn't have all of the sort of, you know, the trappings that we were taught growing up. Cause you and I grew up very similar. Um, you know, what we were taught, you know, I guess Jaguars and juries would really be, would make us happy. All of a sudden you meet all these people that don't have any of that and seem to be happier. Right. And then you have to somehow present this, by the way, that was central East region. Yeah, of NCSY, NCSY Rabbi Mark Cohen, Rabbi, Rabbi Sally Freeman, Rabbi Sally oh, Freeman. So different time than me. I used to, I did Central East for three years. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, Rabbi Sally um, Freeman. So to defend something, you have to figure it out. That's quite interesting. So I have two questions as a follow up. Number one, um, do you think people that are not necessarily all in, like I have a lot of students, many thank God who you know took the plunge, decided at some point. Uh, whether they were inspired here or elsewhere, we helped them along their journey to, you know, to live a fully, you know, Torah mitzvot life. Does someone have to be all in to get that happiness? Or can they listen to a Charlie Harari like episode on one of your amazing podcasts or go to one of your talks or read your book and get like a little something there? You know, or is it really like, yeah, okay, it's a little nice little something, but it's really not going to affect you very much. It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, and the answer is yes and yes, in my opinion. Meaning, you know, inspiration and, and, and happiness it, it is a dynamic process in life. And it takes place through different avenues. And for some people, um, in order to, to, to delve into it, there needs to be sort of a, um, a, almost a non-committal way of doing it to make mm -hmm. them feel comfortable. And as soon as something becomes too committee, I'm using making up words committee, but you know what I mean? It almost, there's almost like a pushback mm -hmm. in which they can't fully appreciate it. As soon as someone says you have to be somewhere, you don't got to be any, you don't want to be there. And the minute it becomes your choice, it becomes um, easier. However, mm -hmm. when you're not all in on something, what happens is you see, your brain is a, your, your brain's an incredible mechanism given to us by God to survive, in my opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. The goal of the brain is to survive. That's the default of the brain. Survival. So it conserves energy. So it chooses comfort. So it it it, it hoards when needs to hoard. 
Mm -hmm. right? You know, giving is, is, is the system override. <laughs> Taking is what is intuitive. And so if you look around at, at, at all these studies on, on cognitive overload, what you find is what cognitive overload is, is as soon as it gets hard to think about something, my brain naturally wants to not do it. And it's designed that way because if your brain is always conserving energy, then if you ever need it because there's danger, you have enough energy, right? Mm -hmm. It's a survival technique. So what's happening is if you're always in a state of comfort, you're always in a state of having. But when you're ever in a state of exhaustion, now you're vulnerable. <laughs> However, and here's the problem, survival is antithetical to greatness. Because greatness requires exhaustion. It requires pushing self. It requires expanding to new territories in your mind. You can't do that if you're always preparing for survival. Yeah. So God gives us a brain and says, here, my gift. You'll survive for the most part. Don't do anything dumb. Okay, listen, something happens outside you. Okay. But like if you're just living a regular life and you're not, you don't do anything dumb, you'll survive. You want greatness? That's your choice. Like that's, <laughs> that's you. Like you got to, right. you got to. You got to download the, the new application and you got to work through it. It's really hard to engage in the depth of something if you're not willing to be all in in that thing. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is if you're not all in, as soon as you come up against discomfort, your brain goes, I'm out. But all the, all the value, all the, all, the, all the gains are in the discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. When you're, you're dating somebody. If you're not willing to say I'm all in, you're not going to you're not going to survive the discomfort of the relationship. But yeah. the only way you could become one with a human being that's not you is through discomfort. Like you can't mold into one person. Two and, people and, and, can't become one unless they, they go. So as soon as you get to that place of I'm not committing, what's happening is you are preventing yourself. You'll have some happiness. You'll have some good times. But the depth, the, right, the stuff that you right. can't articulate. The stuff that makes it amazing, you can't get to because that only comes post-discomfort. And as soon as you get to discomfort, your brain will go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 we, we're not doing that. Yes, yeah, so you have to basically fight against a certain default, you're saying, cognitively, that we all have of just being comfortable. So what, do you, yeah. what, what, what have you found is helpful in pushing people? And I say pushing not in a coercive kind of way, but in an inspiring way. Uh, in inspiring, I should just use the word, what have you found successful in inspiring people to get out of their comfort zone? Let's say, you know, it could be taking on a new project at work, taking on a new mitzvah, doing something that you weren't raised to do. Um, and that's not necessarily comfortable. But if you don't, as you said, make yourself vulnerable and you don't, you know, put yourself out of that place, that default of comfort, you know, because the brain just, just doesn't want to work harder other than to, what it has to do to survive, you're saying. What, what, what motivates people? So, so the, there's really two things. One is a, a series that I just put out called um, Mind Hacks, Hacking Your Mind to Achieve Your Goals, right? So what I found was I wrote a book about it called Unlocking Greatness. But, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to read through the whole book. So I, I actually put a series it's, out. Uh, it's a great book, Unlocking Thank Greatness. Thank you. Uh, Charlie Harari, sure. seriously, excellent Thank book. You. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. Thank you. So I put out this thing. It's 10 minutes. Uh, it's 20, 20 classes of 10 minutes each. And the goal of this is there's two ways to approach this. One way is to understand how your brain works. A lot of times the reason why people don't succeed is because they think if they just make a resolution, it'll work. And it doesn't. Your brain isn't built to make resolutions. Your brain is 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 neuroplastic. It's built for repetition. <laughs> so in un to understand how your willpower works and how you align that with repetitive thought, 
that's how your brain shifts and changes. And that's why habits and rituals are so powerful. When you look at the mm -hmm. lives of great people, they don't make a lot of resolutions. They have a lot of rituals, lots of habits and rituals, because they understand that for your brain to adapt to something, you have to do it repetitively. So if you those who go into the series, you'll get all the details. But the, the, the really the way change should happen is you see something that you want, right? And that you it's a moment of truth. And that's the problem. The problem is that inspiration really loses inspiration is an emotion that you feel mm -hmm. and you have it and what inspiration is supposed to be doing is giving you clarity because life is so busy that it's hard to see clearly but when you slow it down and especially now it's much worse i mean there are people that are always inspired and you go how come he's always inspired the answer mm -hmm. usually is because they put themselves around moments that allow for inspiration mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. when you or, or, pl or places environments or places. exactly People, example, places, and things, you know. Yeah. When, you, when you read a book, let's say, you put yourself in a place where you're reading a book on, you know, outside somewhere. So you're in a place where you're reading. So your brain's working slower. And you're someplace that works and it's slower and you're in a park or in a house. So you can think. You're, 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 the, the soul has more expression. Your, your mm -hmm. soul, which is a constant state of, of, of spirituality, has expression to breathe. If you take that same book and you put it into a podcast and listen to it on two and it's on the subway and you're like, I wasn't inspired. Yeah, the book was inspiring, but your environment did not allow mm -hmm. an expression of inspiration. So, what so, it's happens not, is, so it's not just the content. It's also how you choose to approach the content. Oh, it's the almost speed. always. Yeah. yeah, it's almost always the context. In fact, that's the problem is people think that for example, Judaism is a great example. People think mm -hmm. that Judaism is uninspiring because usually they heard it when they were 12 and someone, some authority was saying you can't. So you take you can't, and you don't know why, and you have to, and you can't leave. Yeah, it's going to stink. You know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> if you would have rolled that back, and it would have been a, an environment in which you understood what it was, and you were more mature, and you and and you put the context differently, that same act, that same ritual, that same mitzvah, that same piece of Torah will be like, holy cow, it's changing my life. Yeah. So context is everything. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're in a context in which you are uninspired, when you hit inspiration, which if you notice always happens, usually happens when you shift context, you get inspired mm -hmm. by weddings or God forbid funerals. You get inspired mm -hmm. by Rosh Hashanahs, Yom Kippur's or songs, right? Why does that work for? Because a song takes you to a new place. You put on your mm -hmm. earphones, noise cancellation, you hear the song and now you're there. So what's happening is your, your context shifted. And in the context shift, there's, there's, there's expression to your soul. And what happens is you see clearly, and that's what inspiration is. It's like a moment of, of vision. And, and if you say to someone you're inspired, you'll see at the moment of inspiration, they never say, I want to become, they say, I am, I could be mm -hmm. this, like, I could eat like this. I can talk like this. Like this, it's not like I wish if you, if you, if you listen closely, when someone walks into, let's, let's, let's take an easy example. Let's take, let's take health. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's take somebody who's like super healthy and they look great, look fit, whatever. They walk into a room. Person looks and goes, man, I, I'm so out of shape. That's not inspiring, <laughs> right? They see something, but when someone has inspiration and they go, I can do that, that's inspiring. It's the same context. I should be better in this area. But when it comes through inspiration, it feels like I can. Mm. Now, at that moment, what you're feeling is an emotion and it feels so clear so much so that you're like, I can do this, no problem. And off you go. Go to the gym, stop eating bad food, pass on dessert. You're, 
because it's so clear to you that this is because it is who you are. However, and, 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 but isn't it also seeing somebody, let's say, let's use the example of fitness, right? If I just see someone who's totally, you know, buffed and like, that's not, not inspiring me. If I saw that he used to be a little heavy and, uh, and he's got some diabetes and he's got these, and, and somehow he pushed through it. And I see him pushing through it. And I'm like, Ooh, wait, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I can do that. You know, yeah, that's what it is. The context, meaning the end of the day, you see him in a context that says yeah. he's overcome challenge. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's At the end inspiring. of the day. It's the right. same result. I should be better. But what's happening is the way you take in the information is different. Mm -hmm. So in the moment of inspiration, however, it comes to you, you feel clear that you can do it. And for many by, by, people, by, by the way, just there's so many Torah personalities, you know, so many stories in the Torah of, of like individuals who overcame and didn't, you know, the, the reason someone is a tzaddik, a righteous person is not because they were born this way, because somehow they overcame all of these obstacles, pushed through it. I mean, that's what inspires people. That's why David Amelech is our, yeah. you know, our Mashiach, you know, the harbinger for the Mashiach, the descendants, because, you know, a lot of struggle, a lot of struggle there. Yeah. And what ends up happening a lot in today's day and age, and this is a big issue that we, we, we sort of know intellectually, but not emotionally, is that what we look at every day are fake, false images of human beings, yeah. right? When I see the Instagram page of my friend who's at this beautiful island and they look like they have the most perfect life, I don't see what's going on in their minds. I don't see what's going on in their hearts. I don't see the challenges that they're in, right? I just see, the, I just see pictures of them. And when yeah. they're putting their pictures, it's like 12 shots in after they've already you know, changed it on their phone and, they're, and they look gorgeous. So when I look at a rabbi, let's say, and he looks perfect. He looks like he does no wrong. He looks like he has no temptations. It's not me. However, when I understand that he is a human being that overcame his challenges because he saw something in this Torah that would speak to me too, once I shift my context of how I see him or her, then wow. I am able to connect to that in a much deeper way. And wow. that to me, by the way, is critical. Because the inspiration that takes place is all based on the context in which you take it in. However, it's just an emotion. So today you feel inspired because you're on a weekend, you're on a Shabbaton, you're at a class, whatever. And you know what happens three days later? You yeah. forgot the deadline that you had yeah. to do. And now your boss emails <laughs> you. So what ends up happening is the emotion now gets overridden by another emotion. And that first emotion is gone. And now so, all so that stuff is gone. Right. So the, the, the answer to that you alluded to before, you said habit. That's why habits are so important, which is why I always thought Judaism was always mitzvah centered because they're like positive spiritual habits. But let me ask you a question. My wife um, uh, told me to read the James Clear Atomic Habits, and I actually developed a little drusha out of it. Um, he says that true and lasting behavioral change, good habits will only take place when you experience what he calls an identity change. Yeah. Right. So when the new habit becomes part of your identity. So if the reason, uh, let's say you come late all the time and you got inspired to come on time, the only the way that you're going to make that a habit is if you start viewing yourself as an on time kind of person. He gives all these examples. If you come late, right, you're not thinking about others. So you start seeing yourself as more of a thoughtful person. You wouldn't keep another person waiting. So my question to you is, you know, um, how do you start seeing yourself as such a person? Because we, we all suffer from such self-esteem challenges, 
like it's it's easier said than done to just start looking at yourself as a fit person and therefore I'll, I'll work out seeing myself as a spiritual person therefore I'll keep mitzvos seeing myself as a you know intellectual learned person and therefore I got to study Torah we don't look at ourselves that way we have a very low image generally yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, this is a series. I mean, I literally, you know, episode 18 or 19 is identity. Like, so give us, give yeah. us like a little, give uh, us yeah, a no, little, I, you know. I can give you, it, it's a, it's a lot to talk about. <laughs> so I, I, even what I say now is a little piece of, mm -hmm. I, but let me sort of give you what, let me try. At the core of it, you're either a body or a soul. Let's do that. At the core, core, core of your identity is a body or a soul. Okay. A body is a physical thing that I can touch, feel, and taste. I see it grow. I see it change. I see it get larger and smaller. I see it get taller. I, I see it get older. I see it grow hair. I, it's a body. It has feelings, senses, or I identify with something that is deeper. I have a, an essence. That essence is why I could change. That essence is what I, I, I can't put into, into words certain feelings. They're, they're metaphysical. Let's just forget soul. Let's just mm -hmm. say metaphysical. Mm -hmm. That may be easier. Okay. I'm physical or I'm metaphysical. Now, that's the core identity question. If you are physical, that means you, you, you live and you die. And you're, you can grow muscle, you can lose muscle, you can gain food, whatever. You are a physical entity that exists in a physical world. You're a material girl, <laughs> as the great philosopher once said. <laughs> If you're metaphysical, which is the core faith of Judaism, this is, uh, in my opinion, this is this is the Tanya 101. This <laughs> is this is Mishnayis 101, right? Nivra B'tzela, right? If you're if you if even if you don't believe it, if you just hear it now, and are thinking to yourself, just contemplate that you don't you are not a body, you have a body. Your soul <laughs> will live after you after your body dies mm -hmm. what if that's even a possibility two things happen one you start to relate to your creator very differently because that's a piece of the creator god is no longer up around you he's around but he's also in that is a complete shift towards judaism because judaism now becomes the science of revealing your inner power I want to tap into my metaphysical power. How do I do that? To tap into my physical power, I just go to a nutritionist and a trainer, and they, they give me very specific exercises, and I can get stronger. But what about my metaphysical power? So I go to another trainer. They're called rabbis and rebbitzins, and they give me other exercises called mitzvos. But those things are not just random stuff to do because God wants me to do it because some deity in the heavens need me to eat some matzah. It's, these are outlets. And just like it makes no sense to me why I have to lift weight to grow my, 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 my chest muscles, it makes no sense to me why I have to eat matzah to grow my, my faith. But I'm not the expert. Right? So that, that's the yeah. basic core. By the way, if you see me looking down, it's because I'm writing some notes. Uh, the, some of these analogies are great, especially the matzah and the lifting weights. Keep going. <laughs> no, seriously. Once you get to that core, and that's step one, mm -hmm. just to – Forget if you believe it, just to entertain the fact that your identity is connected to the creator of the universe and you, you are an infinite source that happens to have a spacesuit called the body. Mm -hmm. Now, what that means is that you have the ability to create in a way yourself. 
in the way you want. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have a brain and the brain is neuroplastic. Now I'm talking within limits. Not, I'm not saying that everything is possible, but within limits, you can shift the way, literally shift the neurostructure of your brain. If you, were, if you take a two-year-old and you put them in a different country and you leave them alone for 10 years, their brain will have different mm-hmm. neural connections for foods, for, 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 for words. If you start a new job and you don't know what you're doing and you stay in that new job for 10 years, your brain will know everything about your job, right? The way your brain works is as it ex- is exposed to information, it creates connections and it literally changes the neurostructure of your brain. So this soul of yours that's infinite in its power can direct the computer called your brain to change how you think, to change what you believe, to change what you habituate yourself around. Now, it happens to be that you're late. Are you born late because you have a spiritual pagam? Maybe. But usually you're born late, but you're late because that's the environment that you were in. You grew up and maybe being timely wasn't expressed enough or maybe you naturally have a tendency, whatever it is. But the stuff that is a natural tendency or exposure or or we call emetic desires or whatever it is, these are brain stuff. With habits, you can theoretically go out and change your brain to being a person that is more connected to time. Now, everything is within limits. I'm not suggesting that you can grow your height. And I'm not suggesting that somebody has some ter- – I'm, I'm saying most people within limits. So when we think about my life – from a place of this is who I am and I know who I am because of who I was yesterday, it's very limiting. When you think of your life as this is who I am because I am an infinite source, I don't even know who I am. I'm an infinite source. There's stuff in here that I don't even knew. I, I, don't, even, I, I don't even tap into. And you see people that go through challenge, God forbid, and they're like, I can't do it. And you're like, you can't. You're like, I can't do it. And then you see them two years later. And like, they did. I'm like, how'd you do it? They're like, the answer is they didn't know how powerful they were. Well, why did they know for? They've been living with themselves for 40 years because you can't know how powerful you are until you go through the things that draw out your power because mm-hmm. the physical brain can't wrap itself around the infinite soul. Once you walk with that, your identity is based on your decisions. Now, your brain may take years for it to be habitual. Mm-hmm. To catch up. And that's what we have Yom Kippur for. Because Yom Kippur is God's way of saying, stop being held down by your past. Choose. Make a decision. Because if you make a decision in front of me today, you didn't leave the shul. You didn't go back and change your life. Your decisions with real sincerity is your identity. Now, you'll have to go and and do a habit. And we can talk Mm -hmm. about that, what that looks like. You'll have to get to a place where it feels normal for you. It feels natural for you. Okay. That's a long process. But who you are. Are you a father before your first kid is born? No. What happens? You make a decision. Not everybody does. You make a decision. I'm going to be a good dad. And as a result, your brain starts to orient around what's a good dad. Decisions become your identity. And once you see it that way, what, 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 what Clear is getting at is when you, if you, what he's saying is if someone's smoking and they stop smoking, you're always going to smoke if you're quitting smoking because you're a smoker you have to say to yourself from the first second no i'm healthy i don't smoke i I don't smoke now you could be craving it who cares i don't smoke now you could have stopped a day ago but once you realize that you have the ability to change your identity regardless of what kind of connections you have okay you got a neural connection that has 
30 years of the, the, the habit of eating unhealthy. Okay, big deal. It's going to take you a couple of years to get fully get over it. A couple of months mm-hmm. to, to feel unhealthy. No, nah, I'm not eating that. Why? You had it yesterday. I'm healthy. Yeah, look, who, look who's so healthy. Now, <laughs> you'll feel like a hypocrite. Your friends will make you feel like a hypocrite. And your brain will tell you you're a hypocrite. But to your soul, they're thinking, welcome to the club. Like it's about time you tapped into that place. <laughs> where, like, where, where have you been? Where have you been? Like, so you, have an idea. you don't have to eat the egg, Claire. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what you got? You can lift a mountain. You get you can't you can't need an egg clear. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you do you have any idea of the power you have in yourself? So wow. once you identify with that, your life changes. You come to shul, you hear Rabbi Wild speak, and you don't go, I can't, it's too hard, my friends, I come from here. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Should I do that? What do you think? Should I do that? I don't know. Why don't I try it? I always wanted to be more spiritual. But but and, and as you contemplate change, that change isn't like, I can't. That change is, well, what else can I do? What else can I explore? You know, in our company here, we've got a lot of young people in our company. We're in a real estate company, right? we got, you can, in one minute, in one minute, I can tell the difference between a person who's going to become successful, in my opinion, one minute. One person walks in and they're already annoyed at the work. <laughs> they're thinking from their body. It's going to be late. I got a friend to hang out with. I don't know how to do it. I'm too young. It's, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to fail. I can't. I can't. Body, 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 body. One person's like, what else can I learn? I'll do it. I'll try. And you're thinking, and they don't even know it. They think like a soul. What can I do? What can I figure out? What can... And this is your point. Rabbi Akiva, 40 years old, didn't know anything, became one of the greatest rabbis. Lagba Omer is coming up, right? One of his greatest students, which took place after he lost 24,000. If you look at every, and this is what gets lost sometimes. If you look at, and by the way, and it's it's in the books. I find you should, we don't we don't read for it. Like the books have these stories, we just don't read for them. But look at some of the greatest people of our history. They were rolling, but they believed that they had something inside them, and that pushed them through. Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov and and Sarshnir and 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 David Ben Gurion and 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 every every. Every Tanchan, every paratrooper, this is our people. It's a bunch of people that intuit that there's something inside them that is more powerful than the things around them. And they keep on moving up the mountain. And when a person adopts the Jewish eternal identity as their identity, and they explore their own spirituality, they unleash a power that has their own brain go, all right, all right, you win. Okay, what are we doing next? I got it, I'm, I got it, I got it. <laughs> I, you can, just don't don't make me crazy. I got it. And that's the shift. Now, I don't know if clear goes that far, but that's my- No, no, I, 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 wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, how would you go about, this is tough now, because you're saying it's really coming down to how you see yourself, body versus soul. And if you look at yourself as a soul, then you're going to want to basically allow the soul to reveal something greater, you know, but, you know, we, we live in, but all of the changes, we still live in a very, very materialistic society and it's still doubted by so many people that we yeah. have this higher dimension. Yeah. And that, now that's, I, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what I'm asking. I don't even know if I have a question, I, I, although no, that's what I saw. That's it. What I saw in Israel at 18 was it took me 20 years to put my um, well yeah whatever <laughs> more than 20 and i'm still trying to put my finger on it right it it that's what i, I couldn't put my finger on 
Like, wait a second, you're not playing by the rules. That's not how it works, right? You're not supposed to have, forget like happiness. It wasn't like they were like walking around on like, you know, like live happy and be life right. and bad. I, 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 could, I, could, I could smell that. I'm from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you can smell that. <laughs> or you can smell that miles away. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like high on life type, which right. is you know, teacher's own. I'm talking about <laughs> deep, deep, real life satisfaction. I'm like, what is that thing? Now I saw it before, but I didn't, I guess I wasn't in the context to see it. And I saw it everywhere in Israel. Not to every person. There's plenty of stuff in Israel that do it. But right. I'm like, what is this thing that well, I that's, see? That's probably one of the motivations that so many people who have changed their lives and have taken on a life of Torah mitzvot Many of them, if you speak to them, I know this from many of my students, I know this from my wife, it's that they spent one Shabbat meal at some home and they were like, this is what I want. I want this. Now, what is this? So they'll say, oh, the kiddish, the, that's not, it's the, it's the joy. There's like a simple joy that all the money and I guess juries and jaguars to keep going back to that in the world um, is not going to provide. Can I tell you what, I, what someone gave me the example once? This is what ready for this it says you walk into a home and it's big and it's beautiful and all the lights are off, not pitch black picture mm-hmm. in your head. You're walking into mm-hmm. a home at like six o'clock at night, big and you walk into this dining room and it's gorgeous and the lights are off. It just feels off. And you're like, what's mm-hmm. up? Like what feels off? Like the table's gorgeous. The sink's gorgeous. The, pictures on the wall the portraits are expensive like the silverware everything is here but what and then you go into a smaller home and the dining room is lit up mm-hmm. and you can't put your finger on it unless you know, obviously lights you can you're like what's the difference mm-hmm. something is alive yeah. and when something yeah. is alive it doesn't need to have the the, the trappings the body of something that has less life. Spirituality is life. It's, it's alive. alive. Yeah. And when you see somebody that doesn't have the trappings, the home, the dining room table, you look at them and go, you can't possibly be alive. But wait, why? what do I see on your face? Yeah. Your wife didn't see the, the kids. She didn't see the table. She didn't see the kiddish. What she saw was it was, on, it was, it was lit. Yeah, the room was lit. lit up. That's the expression. It was lit. It was lit up and she, in her soul, it wasn't her physical eyes that saw it. Yeah, her spiritual right. eyes said, whoa, 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 this room's, whoa. this room's lit up. Right. Why? I, I want, I want a life that's lit like up. This. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I saw in Israel. I want a life that, and by the way, what I learned since then is that if you light your life up, you can have a big, you can have a, you can have a mansion. Judaism doesn't believe that the only way your life gets lit, lit your life gets lit up is if you're sitting in an apartment. That's mm-hmm. a major misconception. Judaism allows people to have tremendous wealth, but it demands that with whatever you have, you light it up. The darkness is a world in which there is no expression for the soul. And what I've seen in my my life, and I'm not an expert, and I'm a nobody. I'm not a rabbi. I'm not holy. I'm regular. I'm a regular dude. What I've seen in my life, being in world that I live in, in real estate and private, whatever whatever I do during my day. I see lots of really successful people, thank God, and very few of them whose life has been fully materially successful are lit up. Yeah, not, doesn't yeah. mean that they don't have moments, and they're good people. Right. 
and I'm not judging them. It's a light that you can sense that some people have. And what I think people are scared of, and which is why they don't go all in, is that that light they can't put on a piece of paper, they can't put in their hand, they can't put in a pill, and they can sense it's something, but they don't know how to get it. And if they give up the material comforts, if they give up the stuff that they know in order to walk into a world that it's going to require more physical sacrifice, it's not guaranteed that they're going to feel that thing that they once felt in a class, in a moment at a Shabbat table. Yeah. That is, is the belief structure. That little, Rev Weinberger told me, I know that you, you know, you know, Rebbe well, Rev Weinberger once said to me once, I remember I was in between, I was in a, in a, in a job and I was offered to a different job and I was scared. And I went to him and he said, um, you know why ladders are what we use to go higher? Because ladders are built with strong rungs and holes in order to go to the next rung of, of stability you have to be willing to pass by the abyss mm-hmm. right you got to go rung <laughs> uncertainty rung uncertain and if you're not willing to put your foot to take your foot off that rung and pass through the abyss you ain't climbing and oh, that's yeah. where, where people get stopped there they're, they're, and i don't blame them we yeah at, and it's also every, you explained before you explained before how the brain is working, which is programmed to survive. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not looking to do this. It's looking to keep things safe. Absolutely. Know, but uh, but you know, something you were saying before. I I need to find the Torah, Charlie, for this. Just to underlie, like there's just it's just a whole bunch of things are bopping around in my mind as you talk about life, which is really energized by something spiritual and physical. The most beautiful physical. It just doesn't have that, the spark. It doesn't have the, right. the nefesh, the to it, you know, and it's, um, you know, we, we, this is also Tanya. I mean, there's just so much Kabbalah oh, yeah. behind the idea of like, of what animates us as people is just something which is not physical. So you could have all the money in the world. You could have all of the creature comforts and unfortunately be still a very unhappy person and you could be la- lacking in some of the physicality and be incredibly lit. You know, um, you know what holiday shows this more than any other holiday? The holiday in which we pit a bunch of small, uh, they're big, a bunch of rabbis in Israel against the greatest materialistic society of all time, right? The, the, the society that brought materialism to the world is Greece. Mm-hmm. They believed in the body. They used to play sports in the nude to, to honor right. the body. They were the paradigm of the body right? They came to snuff out the Ju- Judaism. The holiday is a military victory. That's what it was. Yet the symbol of the holiday is light, light yeah. Yeah. because it's nothing to do with the military. And in fact, when the, when, when the, when the, when the Hashemarim came to the base of Migdash, they could have picked anything that came right to the light and they wanted to be pure light because it says, Kiner Hashem Nishmas Adam, because the light of Hashem is our Neshama. The battle wasn't about property and territory the battle of greece versus judaism materialism versus spirituality is the battle of light and one little candle in the darkness changes everything and that's the battle of our lives the battle of our lives is where will you bring light? and by the way it's everything where will you bring it into your marriage into your into your job into your food like it's not just whether or not you go to shul 
It's everything. Where do you bring light? Well, if we you... could re, if if we could, re, I'm sorry to jump in. Jump in. But I I would love to remarket Judaism from like just from the ground up about how every one of the 613, the 248 positive mitzvot, the 365 things the Torah wants us to stay away from, how it it's bringing energy and light to a different aspect of our physical existence. Because if we if we really sort of if we educated and we were educated as kids that 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 those mitzvot are the device though the methodology through which those mundane activities of our life that we're all doing whether it's going to the bathroom or eating is are are going to be given light and inspiration yeah. i mean that's what it's about that's what it's like torah in a nutshell like yeah and there's a source for it i mean if you look at Hasidus, um kabbalah but if you look at Hasidus, mm-hmm. they explain it in multiple places i'm sure you could find it's multiple areas the idea basically is that there is light, this ore of Hashem, light of God, yeah. that came into this world in through a whole conversation mm-hmm. that's well beyond my knowledge in this conversation. Um, it's sparks of light are all over the world. Yeah. And our job is to release the sparks from their shells. So when you do a positive mitzvah, you are enhancing the light. When you do it, when you refrain, what's happening is you are releasing the spark from a, a place that it is trapped. So Hasidus, this isn't Charlie Herrard, right? Hasidus, <laughs> Kabbalah. Speaks, well, it's Kabbalah, yeah, it's yeah. Kabbalah 101. It's a Shvir Sakelem. Right. Yeah, what, what, what Charlie right was it. referring to is the, um, that was the way through which we believe, the Kabbalists believe God created the world, was that there were these vessels and God, because God wanted some of his spirituality to be in the world, he filled those vessels with some of his infinite light, but the vessels could not contain. They burst, sending out these sparks of holiness into the physical realm. And every time we do a mitzvah, this is what you were just explaining yeah. so beautifully. Every time we do a mitzvah, we are restoring the light to the source for everything. And the source for all physicality is spirituality. And at the end of the day, nothing physical exists without God having willed it into existence. So if we want that to come alive and we want to actually be happy with our physical lives, then we've got to release those sparks. The, the, the example that I give sometimes is that if you, if you were in school and you were growing up and they taught you about uh, elements of, and, and, and temperatures, right? They'll, they'll, they'll show you a little vapor and they'll, you know, they'll put it in a colder environment and it'll turn into liquid and they'll put it into a colder environment and it'll turn into a solid. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll teach you the elements of something change based on the area around it. And so that's the goal, like understanding that we live in the world of ice and that's the coldest environment, you know, spiritually, spiritually coldest environment we have is this world. But as you identify with those elements and you'll realize that that soul, it's not, you're not ice, you're, you're, you're it's the elements from within that soul is, is just what you really are is you're just a congealed soul. Your body is just, it's just, it's just congealed <laughs> spirituality. It's the spirituality that you're after. And when you can control it from the spiritual level, now your body follows. And that's so, where you become free. So, so let me ask you a question. One, 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 I know it's getting a little late, but are you nervous about, um, about artificial intelligence, AI? Because if our goal in life is to somehow bring out the spiritual from the physical, Okay, then, you know, we can we have now created computers smart enough to figure stuff out on their own. And we're going to start relying on them. People are starting to rely on them, not just for, you know, information, but like even creativity now. I mean, you could just sit down and 
and what what is it called? She, I, I'm terrible with this. She help me. Chat help G- somebody. G- GPT. Yeah, thank oh, you very no, much. Right, Chat GPT. <laughs> Chat I'll GPT. Tell you, so you hear what I'm asking? I'm like, yeah, I, like, I'm I, actually I, not. I'm not worried at all about it. I'll tell you why. First of all, I'm not worried in general about the future because I can't control it, and God knows it better than I. And so, <laughs> great people before us have been concerned about cars and concerned about computers and concerned about all. I mean, in every generation, there's some new thing that is the technology that's going to be the future in which leaders get up and say, this is the end of civilization. I don't believe, I, listen, but I'm, I'm, I, I rely on God with this stuff. Like the stuff that's beyond my future, I, until, I can, until someone gives me a time machine, I don't. But let me tell you why I'm, I think there's a value to it. At the end of the day, the future of time, the, the messianic era, the rabbis teach us that Rambam, I think, speaks about this directly, how we'll be free to spend all our days delving into spiritual wisdom. There is no AI bot that can tap into spiritual wisdom, as far as mm-hmm. I know. So if if we can get to a place where it can figure out how to like get me to work and do my laundry and turn on the lights, and it knows that I it writes my term sheets for me, and <laughs> I'm sure that the, if people that know AI are like, you, that's just the beginning of it fine in my humble opinion of the little that i know if it allows me to stop thinking about the mundane world and gives me an extra few hours to delve into spiritual wisdom mm-hmm. bring it on and what's gonna and maybe this is the beginning of the messianic era in which god says there will be an ability for us to function in society automatically and now you're free you're it'll work the traffic will just work the, the the groceries will just work. Your fridge will read the eggs you need, and then it'll get delivered to your house. Whatever. Maybe we'll see a time where all the things we call life, we will realize are just algorithms. <laughs> and the life that we really never got to go to because we're too busy is a life in which we are tapping into the spiritual wisdom of the creator, which no bot could ever algorithmize because it's spiritual. And if this thing gives us time to start to become bigger people, to deepen our relationships between each other and our, uh, it can't come fast right. enough. No, listen, like anything else could be a huge blessing if it, if it frees us up. And like everything else, it'll be, it'll be ruined by bad people and <laughs> we'll have to say. Although I'm, I, I just look, I don't know much about artificial intelligence, but it seems that these bots or these whatever it is will be able to access a lot of the literature out there on Kabbalah. And if these computers can access and man, not manipulate, but get into ideas of Kabbalah in a smarter way that you and I can. Uh, now, I'm not saying it's going to impact the soul per se. That's what it is. That it's going to make cold. us feel closer to God, but it could perhaps give us, I don't know, greater insights that we may yeah. be couldn't have come up with on our own the question is is it are we gonna like are we gonna just like we don't need to do the work anymore we just you know the, there's no amelos anymore there's no like you Could know be. throwing yeah. yourself into something because you know why I'm shits sure the, anymore i'm sure it will be and i'm sure they'll lead to tremendous depravity just like in times of noah when they they invented farm tools and that led to the worst society that needed to get whipped out by the flood so always mm-hmm. whenever there's a shift in agricultural or any type of a life living, a lifestyle living. There's a whole world of easier living, which leads me to do worse things. But if you're on a spiritual quest and you get a couple hours free a day, and that allows you to del- turn on the light, 
you get to live in a time where you get to turn the light on. Our grandparents spent all day trying to survive. If our grandkids can wake up in the morning and have the physical world work for them, and they're smart enough and have been trained by us enough to know what it feels like to be a soul. Now, if if we're physical beings, then we're competing with bots. <laughs> if we're spiritual beings, then the bots mm-hmm. are working for us. And go. that's the difference, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, it's, I'm sure it's naive, but. No, no. Fun, I mean, look. Sometimes it's fun to be naive. Like anything else, you know, they said that Noah got his name. You just mentioned about he yeah. invented the plow. So that also, I mean, he got his name because Noah, he, he brought a certain more pleasant existence to other people. Yeah. You know, because he solved one of the biggest problems, you know, in terms of farming. But along with that industrial revolution change came all these other issues and problems. The question is, can we somehow learn to get the good without getting sucked into all the other things that, let's say, technology brings with it? Yep. You know, not so simple. Charlie, thank you, man. This was awesome. I want to ask you one one last question. I've been asking a number of my... And I know I'm bringing you into my, in my, into my chosen profession, but you're in my chosen profession. You've been, you've been pushing around in this. Oh yeah. You're, you're quite the uh, outreach guy. What do you think? What do you think young Jews today? I serve twenties and thirties. I'm always looking for new ideas. What a young, what a twenties and thirties conservative reform. And the truth is orthodox because we're seeing, unfortunately, as you know, so many of our own kids in our own community just not being inspired. Okay, so I found very inspiring going back to our whole conversation about what really brings happiness. Mm-hmm. Anything, any other program, you know, depth. got birthright today. Depth. Let me hear. They need, I think people need depth today. Slow, slower, softer, deeper. Any way I can get out of my life, any way I can get out of my environment, any way I could slow down and understand what I do deeper, less and deeper. We live in a world where more and more and more quicker, quicker, faster, faster has overwhelmed our brains and learning how to talk to somebody, um, going away with a few people, real relationships, taking um, texts that matter and studying them so that I fully understand them, um, taking mitzvahs that I can do so that I understand the depth of it at the level where I see it light up the world. Today, people are running like crazy and along the way have lost what it feels like to walk, what it feels like to stroll and to breathe and to smell. And when you could introduce opportunities for people, not everyone will do it, to slow and deeper, less, but deeper, they will own something. It'll be, it'll mean something. And it is largely lost in our society we live in a world where everything comes at you immediately and it all tastes the same a little bit better than bland (laughs) and when you take one or two things and you delve into them and you create a small group and they live for each other and you have one mission and you take unity unity to me that is beautiful thank you pleasure i gotta bounce thank you this is awesome thank you so much and um anybody who wants to hear charlie harari's 20 part series mind hacks it's between now and shavuot very very much encourage you to go on that get yeah get his book uh just tell us the title of your book again i just unlocking greatness unlocking greatness anywhere instagram anywhere you find me you can find mind hacks if you can't Mm -hmm. find it anywhere email me at unlocking greatness at charlieharari.com or me directly charlie at charlieharari.com 
Awesome. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Rabbi.